This video is about two key concepts regarding intellectual capability that are sometimes misunderstood and often mixed up with resulting suboptimal outcomes for people's career planning and strategy. The first is the general concept of intellectual capability and perceptions around what it enables or stops you from doing. The second is the concept of taking into account differences in intellectual capability in strategizing for your career, from day-to-day -day activities to long-term plans. The first concept does a lot of unnecessary damage, especially in terms of warping perceptions of young people around what careers they could prosper in, whilst the second concept is often overlooked with equally bad outcomes for your career. In the rest of this video, I'll give a working definition for one example of intellectual capability, then run through the key details of these two concepts and what they mean for your career. Defining and quantifying intelligence, or even deciding whether you should try to define intelligence, is a hugely problematic topic and one I'm going to sidestep for this video. Instead, I'm going to focus on a working definition of intellectual capability, which focuses on the much easier to define tangible outputs and capabilities of a person for an intellectually driven task, which goes something like this. For many types of careers, not just academic ones, a substantial part of the job will involve using your brain to solve challenging problems by creating new ideas for solutions. To use research as an example, you may need to come up with a bunch of ideas for how to solve a problem. To remove the effects of privilege, socioeconomic status and other confounding factors, Imagine a hypothetical scenario where you have a bunch of researchers from similar backgrounds. They've been given a task to learn about a new topic domain which they are all equally unfamiliar with. Their job is to come up with a bunch of ways to solve a challenging, unsolved problem in that domain. They're all given plenty of time to learn about the domain and any differences in information absorption capability have been recognized and accounted for. Perhaps some people are better reading type learners, whilst others are auditory learners. Everyone's on as level a playing field as possible. That is, apart from their core intellectual capability. How much of that is due or not to genetics is another controversial topic that I definitely can't do justice to in this video and is still the subject of scientific study and debate. When those people go to solve the challenge, there will be substantial variations in their capability to do so. Some will be much faster than others. Some will be far more prolific in generating large numbers of fully feasible potential solutions to investigate. Some will be able to go much deeper into the problem, perceiving and understanding subtle nuances and secondary and tertiary components of the problem. 
some will be able to simultaneously consider and reconcile a larger number of conflicting ideas or concepts than others in the group. If you take the speed of working through the problem out of the equation, there will still be variation in how deep and thoroughly different people can explore the problem no matter how long they're given. This is the particular working definition of intellectual capability I'm using throughout this video. You will often hear the phrase intelligence is overrated and there is a lot of truth to that statement but it does need a little unpacking. Most often this statement is said in response to an example of someone perhaps widely regarded to be very bright or intelligent not being able to use that supposed intelligence to succeed at something, whether that is their job, their personal lives, or even just being happy in their lives. A better version of this statement is that intelligence is often not the crucial predictive factor for success at something, because there are often, perhaps usually, other personal characteristics or considerations that have more impact on the outcome than pure intellect. A simple and frequently encountered example of this would be a person with great technical intellectual capability, but one who lacks emotional intelligence struggling to function in a challenging team environment. Another problematic issue with putting intelligence up on a pedestal is the perception that you need to be a so-called genius to have a successful career and make great contributions in some fields that are regarded as being intellectually intensive. This perception does a lot of damage, especially early on when young people are thinking about the types of things they might want to do when they are older. While it's true that there are very specific roles where many people, no matter how much training and support they get, will struggle intellectually, far too many career options are still discarded because of an incorrect perception of what's required intellectually to be successful in that career and how important intellect is versus other characteristics. The companion concept to intelligence being overrated is that intellectual capability is often underaccounted for. This concept is often overlooked and frequently confounded with the first concept. Differences in intellectual capability are rarely a showstopper in terms of being able to pursue the career you want. But, and this is a big but, they absolutely should be accounted for if you want to get the best outcomes in your career. To instantiate this with a concrete example, think about the task of grant or proposal writing in academia or other fields. This is a key part of most academic and more senior researcher roles, which consumes a lot of your time and energy. You will often hear academics talk about spending significant time over months or perhaps even years writing a proposal. If you work in a field like robotics, computer vision or machine learning, you will encounter researchers who have dozens of amazing ideas for new research projects 
at any one time and who are able to beautifully articulate these ideas and write wonderfully compelling proposals, sometimes in a ridiculously short period of time. Some of this is no doubt due to different circumstances. Maybe that academic had a particularly good set of supervisors who trained them well, and maybe they've been afforded more time to think about research than their peers. But some of those differences are also due to inherent intellectual capability as pertains to this particular set of tasks. Now here are the two key points. The first is that most things, for better or for worse, are inherently competitive. In academia, and indeed most professions, you are competing with others to get jobs, promotions, and to get funding in what are very competitive schemes with low success rates. The second and most important point is this. If you are competing against some of these individuals in raw idea generation and exposition in grant proposals, you will get smashed. If they have 10 times as many ideas as you, if their ideas are as good or better than yours, and they're 10 times as fast at you at writing and submitting these proposals, you will break yourself trying to compete at least directly. You may think these numbers are exaggerations, but they are very much real. There are individuals who will be an order of magnitude more prolific in idea generation and in putting those ideas eloquently to paper, so to speak. Now that sounds like a pretty dire situation, right? But at the same time, you're thinking to yourself that you probably know heaps of people of all different intellectual backgrounds and capabilities who do quite well in their job. And that comes down to the key takeaway, which is related to the first concept covered in this video. Raw intellectual capability is just one piece of the puzzle and other factors can more than compensate for any differences in intellect. To continue the grant submission example, you will have other strengths that you can bring to bear. They could be your ability to talk to and understand the needs of industry and government partners, gaining deep insights into real world problems that can give your proposal a unique edge. You may have more life experience that you can bring to bear by better situating the proposal in terms of the larger societal benefit. The key here is that beyond intellect, all other things are almost never equal and you can leverage those other things that you're particularly strong at. This concept is of course related to the broader one of knowing and cultivating your unique strengths. There's a corollary here too. If you are really brilliant in the core technical area of your career, one of the best investments you can make is in developing those other capabilities, which can often be weak spots for you. So, in summary, I've covered two key concepts about intellect. The first is that it is frequently overrated because other considerations are often more important and because it is much more rarely the limiting factor for various careers and opportunities than it is perceived to be. The second concept 
was that while intellectual capability differences are not the showstopper they're often portrayed as, they most definitely should be accounted for in planning how you do things and how you craft your value propositions and your career.